Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 330 on Tuesday, the 26th of May, 2020. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And in a week of follow-up, we'll be asking how courts can say something is a defeat device, but the regulations did not. We talk once again about people in glass houses throwing stones, and we congratulate a design that is perfect for a post-apocalyptic coach trip. But first, let us start with a bit of Dieselgate. And the first one is that uh, Volkswagen, whilst adamantly declaring that the charges against the CEO, Dice, are unfounded, that he held back information about the whole Dieselgate issue about to splash out from uh, shareholders, they have paid 9 million euros, which is nearly $10 million, to say, here you go, take a load of cash, please make this go away, and now German courts and prosecutors, which they have then said, okay, we will. I think this is about just closing it all off. Just, yes. It's gone on long enough. Just pay up. We know exactly how much we're paying up, and then it's not it's not hanging over their heads like a cloud. Yeah, definitely switched tactics. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which, of course, leads to our next story, uh, which is that a different German court, goodness me, German lawyers must be doing nicely in this, Germany's highest civil court uh, has awarded the plaintiff €28,257.74. Euro That's about £25,000 in a case that will lead to the company paying out compensation to 60,000 German Volkswagen owners. Yep. The amount came from uh, the amount that's going to be paid to a chap called Herbert Gilbert, uh, who the federal Germany's Federal Court of Justice said was entitled to compensation for the purchase price of his Volkswagen Sharan minus the mileage costs that he had driven. Yeah, I'm still trying to work out why what, um, they're saying that it was defeat device and cheating the German people. I don't know. It just says that a High Court judge in this Guardian article hearing the case found that Volkswagen installed a cheat device in cars under its Volkswagen Audi Seat and Skoda brand. What was it? Yeah. But yeah, the idea is that each uh, each claimant will have an amount. Um, it depends how they want to do it. You, they can either keep the car and get a small amount, or they can, or Volkswagen will essentially buy back the car minus the minus a, a consideration for the mileage that you've covered. Yeah can go either way so there's lots and lots of that kind of stuff to work out volkswagen are going to try and settle it as quickly as they can yep uh, but each depends on the individual's claim absolutely again it's what we were just saying it's trying to put a lid on it and just look get rid of this thing and quite frankly as people who talked about it right at the beginning and have continued to talk about it because we felt duty bound i agree yes please make it end now i don't like being a completionist <laughs> No, it's killing us both. Right, talking of a story that seems to be running on and on, <laughs> Carlos Ghosn and his miraculous escape from Japan. Now there have been a couple more arrests, this time in the US. And this is from an uh, this is uh, an ex-Green Beret and his son, who are both uh, security consultants, is the <laughs> nicely loose job title. That means mercenary, everyone. <laughs> Security consultant means mercenary. Okay, that's what that's what you understand when you read those words. Yes, in this instance, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely that. Well, they were apparently the people carrying the big empty boxes, <laughs> which 
were allegedly used for cars going to get inside one of said boxes and be transported out. Uh, it's uh, it's quite it is quite bizarre. I mean, it still is. Every time I read about it, I I think this is just crazy. How how on earth did this happen? We wouldn't have accepted this in a movie, and yet here it is happening in real, <laughs> allegedly happening in real life. So uh, so you can read through on Jalopnik's article because there's some court papers <laughs> describing this. There's lots of court papers. There's another couple of quotations, uh, one from the, the New York Times uh, here. And it said, for months, the person said, Michael Taylor worked with a team of more than a dozen operatives from around the world to scope out airports and seaports in Japan, looking for security flaws that would allow Mr. Goen to slip out of the country by plane or boat. The team considered a number of options, including putting Mr. Goen on the ship to Thailand, and the preparation cost was more than a million dollars. Excellent article by Jalopnik on this, by the way. So do please go and have a read of it. Link, as always, in the show notes. Yeah. Why don't you try and unmuddy the waters to do with congestion charging and oh. stuff now? <laughs> so last week we were saying that, well, so it came out last week when we were talking about stuff and everyone was saying, well, it was completely the, the mayor of London's you know, the mayor of London's decision to do this and to put up the congestion charge, uh, and it wasn't a condition of the loan. And Tory or Conservative mayoral candidate Sean Bailey called for the hike to be abandoned. So that's the hike going from £11.50 per day up to £15 a day for a longer day as well. So not ending at 6pm, but ending at 10pm, and also seven days a week instead of five. Yep. So significant chunk. And he was saying, this is ridiculous. This is terrible. The, the mayor didn't have to do this. Uh, Sadiq Khan uh, claimed that the Tory government forced TfL to bring back the congestion charge and widen the levels and hours. And the wording in the deal, he, he quotes, uh, saying, this funding package is conditional on agreement from Section 11. This funding package is conditional on agreement from Transport for London that it will agree to the conditions below. And then Condition H... The immediate reintroduction of the London congestion charge, LEZ and ULEZ, LEZ and ULEZ, and urgently bring forward proposals to widen scope and level of these changes in accordance with the relevant legal powers and decision-making processes. That might be the case. However, the bringing forward and the levels at which they were done does seem to have been the Mayor of London's choice. Yes, to when to when they were brought forward exactly to and how much they were going to be increased was his decision, yes. There's a bit of both in there, I think. Yes. You can decide what you think. The other one, by the way, the other killer, which I, I got from this Evening Standard article, is that if you're like me and you have your car set up on the auto-pay direct debit system, because I'm the kind of idiot that forgets to actually then pay the charge afterwards. So I, I set up my cars on that. And then if I drive into London, it just automatically charges me. Mm -hmm. The other advantage of that is that because it's done that, I get a £1 reduction. Oh, sorry, I got a £1 reduction. So it was £10.50 instead of £11.50, but they're also getting rid of that as well. So even if you set up on autopay, you don't pay a lower amount to enter the zone. So um, hooray! I love that the temporary change is there still isn't a close there isn't a close to when these temporary changes end. Yes, quite. Because that's always good. Yes. Scope creep, we like that. Just now you've brought up the mm. evening standard. Did mm -hmm. you know, because I've had this clarified to me, and I can't remember whether we mentioned this last week, but TfL is the only 
place that isn't subsidised by the government, only transport. Yes, you did. You brought this up. But you brought this up. There's more detail to that. Do you know who was Chancellor and Mayor at the time that the Tories decided to remove the funding for Transport for London? Who are the two people who have most been shouting about how dreadful it is what Sadiq Khan is doing? Somebody to do with the Evening Standard and our Prime Minister. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. There's, Not making this political, is, but it, we yes. should so just There remember. is always that. <laughs> there, there is there is that. The editor of the Evening Standard is... I've now forgotten his name. Is it Ed Ball? No, it's not. It's former Chancellor of the Exchequer. Yeah. Um, I've forgotten now as well. We're good, at, we're good at this, aren't we? I'm tortoising from politics at the minute. Yes, I'm trying not to think about any of it. It's, it's all ghastly. It's all right. It'll come to you once we're finished. I know, and that's no good. Leave it for parish notes at the end. Yeah, okay. funny. So, yeah, so I thought there was an interesting, uh, an interesting little twist on things. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so just remember that whenever it's the Evening Standard. Sure, it's a London-specific paper. But there's, you know... Right, McLaren. Follow-up on McLaren. And we mentioned last week that they were considering putting forward some of their historic cars and other assets up for um, collateral on a loan, and it looks like that that has actually been done and that they will get a loan on the back of this. Um, But also what we... But not quite all of it, though. No. Because they had to change the plan because uh, some people were saying, hang on a minute, some of that's already being used uh, as collateral on this deal from a few years ago. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's not done. been as simple as they would hope. Because <laughs> no. people have gone, no, you can't count that twice. Thank you. <laughs> So uh, they they haven't they haven't as Alan said they haven't got as much as they were originally looking forward to, but added to that there is the sad news this afternoon that came out that they are going to be cutting twelve hundred jobs from the uh, Formula One team and from the supercar from the um, manufacturing side of things, which is very much a shame. But I didn't realise how large their workforce was. Yes. Well, they do everything in-house, you see. They do it right from engine design right through. Yeah, I mean, it shouldn't. I shouldn't mm-hmm. have been surprised, but I really was surprised at the you know, staff of 4,000. So so good luck to all the people yeah. uh, who were going to be let go. I mean, best of luck trying to find a new job. Yeah, there isn't – I mean, it's saying it will cut, but there isn't a, a – a, a, It's not saying they're out on Friday or anything they're like not, that. They're not declaring the plan no. and they're not saying it's it's sort of Friday. So so you know, it, it might not be an absolute direct total right, you lot out type setup. Um I think it's it's more likely to be more uh uh more nuanced than yeah, that. Quite. How about some slightly more positive news, Alan? The government is to allow car showrooms in England to open from the first of June. All the people who haven't been able to buy cars. Chomping at the bit. <laughs> champion at the bit. Well, you're either champion at the bit or you're just not going to buy them. Who knows? Who can tell? But should you have the urge to buy a new car and to do it in a socially distanced manner, following the appropriate regulations, then it will be possible to do that from the 1st of June. Car showrooms amongst a number of different shops many different types of shops in the uk that will be able to open yes yeah, like outdoor markets as well um before they get to the other mm-hmm. non-essential retail which opens from the 15th of june onwards 
because apparently we are through we are we have made progress sufficient progress to go to stage two dum, dum, dum. Mm. and they're announcing that well in advance people have so places have time to put everything they're going to need in place to do it safely as whatever blah 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 yes. oh, it's, it's been a week of big news <laughs> and the big news this is my this is my fault because I put out a tweet this morning saying can we have some news that doesn't involve driving Discovery Sports to Barnard Castle doesn't involve uh actually I said didn't involve Aston Martin and didn't involve something else I can't remember what it was but um and so as a result there was then this this oh yeah not turning up for your own race and then there was this deluge of bad news from about 20 minutes afterwards and i just thought oh why did i bother yes you should have kept your mouth shut well talking of one of the articles you didn't really want to discuss and that is the news that uh aston martin has said goodbye to previous ceo andy palmer and is going to bring in mercedes amg chief tobias moores uh, Andy Palmer and three other board members have left with immediate effect, yet Moores does not start till the 1st of August. So that, to me, gives me an impression that perhaps it wasn't all sweetness and light and happiness between Palmer and Stoll. Stroll. Stroll, even, yes. Sorry. It's a tricky one. Well, yeah, it's uh, a tough one. I I think that a certain amount of it, supposedly shares went up 30% this morning, um, which just goes into the ridiculousness of the stock market. It's one of these dumb things where the, the analysts who decide these things, who, you know, those who can do, those who can't analyze, you know, they, they need to see change and they must see change and, and changes has to happen at the top for these these guys. And so that's what has to happen. So it's a bit like any time, you know, Elon Musk spouts share prices go up or down. It has absolutely nothing to do with whether it was a sensible spout or just a, a spout. And uh, and it's it's that kind of thing. Yeah, it is. The, the stock market, as we repeatedly say on here, is, is a very silly thing. And we should all just ignore it and hope it goes away. But it won't, unfortunately. But for, for me about... It's growth! It's just a ridiculous thing. But for me with this... I noticed two two distinct reactions on the socials when it wasn't about other news items where people have been screaming at each other. And it's been either people saying, so sorry you've gone, you've done a fabulous job, brilliant, best of luck for the future, Mr. Palmer. And another lot, mm-hmm. which have become more and more vocal, going, glad you're gone, you, you've ruined it, you... They're almost calling the fancy system stuff. I've not noticed any of that yeah, second group. I've, I've seen quite a bit of that, and I'm sort of going, "What? What? What else could he have done? What? What did he do that was so wrong to make so many people angry?" Which I don't. I, I just haven't it's understood. So suddenly, as well. That's the other one. I've noticed it's that so in the last suddenly. six months, the anger towards Mr. Palmer more and more. I, I think it's been since the, the stock price or the, the the market launch. Yeah. Well, that that. But that happens. That's what happens. I mean, it's just it's all about growth. It's all about uh, and it's all about dividends. And when you're investing lots of money in new stuff like. But but this wasn't from people, from analysts or from people investing. This was just it's like they objected to the fact that he'd got them a load of cash. I don't know. It's one of the reasons why I don't know stocks and shares and all that kind yeah. of stuff because I just don't understand the mentality behind it. I think it just—it's. I think I actually think it's a really. Uh, 
I know it's a good thing in many ways, but I think that the behaviors that it drives are not healthy yeah, it's- uh, for organizations. And I, I, I say that as someone who sees lots of organizations doing good things and doing bad things. And-, and, and, and for me, added to all this, whoever takes over, whoever they picked, it's going to have the same problems. Oh, yeah. The problem just doesn't massively di- magically disappear. No. Aston Martin is a, yeah. an incredibly small company trying to do incredibly big things and being pushed thanks to legislative directions far quicker and harder than perhaps small companies can cope with. I mean, big companies are struggling. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. I mean, that's it. Should we move on? I don't know that I've got anything no, else to say on that. Yep. Other than that, that doesn't involve the F word really. <laughs> There's no Ferraris. Uh, right, tell us about the Euro NCAP. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Euro NCAP are moving, the, are shifting the barriers again. <laughs> Literally, in this case, the actually. company. Uh, so the, the company Euro NCAP. <laughs> the, the company, yes. Well, yes. Thank you for the reminder. Yes, the company Euro NCAP, who obviously makes their money by selling reports on how badly cars crash, and therefore they really quite like some to be quite spectacular. Because then that boosts interest. Am I being overly cynical with this? I don't think so. If you if you watch Bertel Schmidt, any time NCAP is mentioned, he really goes off on one about how he disagrees with how they operate as a company. <laughs> well, it's because of it's because there's there's never a baseline. It's a constantly moving thing, so they can decide what. And no one, no one's. There's no competition for them either. No, well, that's it. And they they can constantly change what it is they do and how they measure stuff. And nobody has any comeback. No. As you say, there's no competition. Oh, this is safety. And, and so they mm. decide what's five, four, three, two. Yeah, it's a safety. It's got to be good. Yeah. Yeah, so they're, they're, intru- they're introducing a whole load of, of, of new tests. Obviously, the outcome of this will be that we will end up safer on the roads, and that's a good thing. A key one of which is that they'll have a new moving barrier. Mm to a moving car frontal crash test so both the barrier and the car move at rate and that gets rid of the um that gets rid of the offset deformable barrier test which they've used for the last 23 years so again anything up to about the autumn uh, will not be directly comparable with uh, with previous ones so you expect a lot of cars to lose a whole bunch of stars yeah uh, over the next in a few months time there'll be this massive dropping of 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 safety despite the fact that the vehicles will be exactly the same as they were before yeah i think that uh that that movable progressive deformable barrier uh is if i've understood it correctly and my gosh there is a lot to wade through if you read ncap's press release uh, i think that is there to try and even up uh safety ratings for smaller cars against the ever increasing size of SUVs because there's things like so are SUVs going to continue to be even safer uh, no it's going to show that smaller cars have actually got safer if they do get safer okay uh it, it's that so it's not quite so penalizing with the with the previous with the current barrier the bigger you got the safer in very simplistic terms the safer it generally was mm-hmm. and that's not always the case that was seemed to be heavily weighed weighed against the smaller vehicle so this is supposed to even it up a bit they're also going to be bringing in uh, more uh, testing of uh, driver assistance stuff 
I have an issue Great. with that, considering how some stuff <laughs> has been approved up to now. It's fine to say something works in one way, but they're not testing for false positives, so I don't oh, like did that. You, I'm going to interrupt you here. Did you see the other one that's been doing the rounds today on the social medias of uh, a Tesla? I think it was a Model 3. Who can tell? Um, they all look the same anyway. Uh, that was behind a pickup truck that was fitted with the the classy accessory of uh, called uh, a truck nuts. Mm. So uh, if you don't know what truck nuts are and it's spelled with a Z on the end, then go look it up on the internet. I'm not going to explain right now. But what it saw was was a, a truck with a traffic cone behind it. Yeah. And the caption that I saw was, make sure you test your autonomous vehicles everywhere, even Florida. <laughs> which made me laugh yeah stay classy yeah yeah so this is what uh ncap are going to bring in and we'll have to see if it makes a difference i mean things like the driver um distraction or driver awareness testing i'm i'm still very unconvinced of that as a technology and how that's implemented but there we go so it'd be interesting to see what they how they judge it Next up, a bit more of uh, more COVID news. Uh, very, very quickly, JLR is in talks over uh, to secure a government loan of more than a billion pounds following a drop in sales during uh, during the coronavirus pandemic. Not a huge surprise there. I'm, I'm surprised it's this late, to be perfectly honest. Uh, yeah, I'm. I wonder whether they'll get that because they was they've been struggling for a while, which may get pointed out to them and to the government if cash is going to be handed out to people mm-hmm. so obviously everyone is badly affected by the by the lockdown and not going out and not spending money and not buying things but how how they negotiate that will be interesting to see last one coming up to the break is the geneva most show there's a little bit of a, a disagreement no, there is a disagreement between the foundation that runs the Geneva International Motor Show and the Canton of Geneva. Canton, of course, being the local government. Okay. So it was when the plug was pulled this year, it was very late on. Foundation said, look, we've had to refund so much money to the exhibitors. We've had all these outgoings. And so the Canton said, okay, well, we'll give you. Geneva, the inter- the motor show is the biggest event in Geneva. In fact, it's the largest event in Switzerland. Okay, 600,000 visitors, 10,000 mijar. According to the motor show, it gives an economic benefit to the canton of about 200 million francs a year. Is that just one restaurant? Some PRs have pointed out that that's, that's one night's worth of hotel rooms during the press <laughs> days and the run-up to it, which, yeah, okay. I was going to say 10,000 10, media, because none of them ever mention about going to Geneva or in any way about how it's not always fantastic. <laughs> I, I I had two hotel nights booked for, for, for free, so I, I don't understand what their problem is. <laughs> No, I didn't. I had one night booked for free, and I had one night for about 70 francs. But there we go. The, the second one not being in Geneva. Alan is available as a tour guide stroke agent for a fee. <laughs> it's, this, this, I, I have worked, I've done quite a lot of work in Switzerland, yes. <laughs> so so I, I kind of know how to plan it. But anyway, Canton 
proposed a grant of 16.8 million francs, but only under certain certain conditions. The trouble is that the conditions essentially handed over the entire motor show to the Canton of Geneva. Mm, were they hoping they'd not see that? <laughs> yeah, and basically committed to the Palexpo, the the, the uh, Canton-owned exhibition centre, uh, essentially ran the show. And the new chief executive has come in and said, no, I'm sorry, that's not going to happen. I can't. It's not. I'm not allowed to agree to that because it's against all the conditions in the charter that that run that runs us. We can't do it. Yeah. So there's there's a press release out today saying it's very unlikely at the minute that it's going to happen in 2021, and they're also saying that the major exhibitors encourage us and strongly recommend to plan the next edition for 2022. So there might not be a 2021 uh, Geneva Motor Show at the minute. There's quite a lot of squabbling. What I will say, though, is Switzerland, they tend to follow the money. So I strongly suspect, from my experience working there, that this is a major negotiation tactic to say, look, come on, this can't be right. You either do this or you lose it. Mm. That's what I read into it. There's some people, I've noticed some some folk going, oh, well, that's it. It's all gone. That's them. They said nothing. It's like, no, they haven't. They're just saying, right at the minute, we can't accept this. If you read the press release, we can't accept it. It's just not the right thing. Yep. We just can't. And I don't imagine that the Canton wants to give away 200 million francs a year either. No. So don't sell your shares in shoe companies just yet, ladies and gentlemen. No, don't cancel your hotel room. It's far more expensive than your shoes. <laughs> because there's still a chance that... Mija will be wearing through several pairs in a day still in the future. The <laughs> uh, Motor Show website still says 4th to the 14th of March 2021, by the way. Right, that's about the first half. It is, it is. The little rays of sunshine we've had to be all the way through there. Yep. It is that time where instead of guilt minute for us, we're guilt minuting you for, for other good causes. And pointing out that there's there's so much uncertainty around right now, that supporting the two of us uh, moaning about the stock market and uh, <laughs> and just about everything under the sun this evening uh, really isn't that important. If you do have cash burning a hole in your pocket, particularly if, if you would normally be donating to us, then do please donate the amount to a charity that's relevant for you. If you're not sure what charity, then we recommend the Mission Motorsport COVID-19 Response Fund. Uh, Mission Motorsport trying to put in place the framework they need to support their beneficiaries from afar and to enable the community and camaraderie that they foster in person uh, to take place online. There's a link in the show notes that you can use to find out more and to donate. Yep. Formula E, the race from home. Right. I'm going to rattle through this as quickly as, quickly <laughs> as I can. <laughs> so uh, on Saturday in the race... What transpired was... This is the Formula E race, by the way. Yep, Formula E race from home. Formula E virtual racing that was covered by the normal Formula E team plus Luke from Actual Vision is the uh, additional commentator that has been brought on board to help them out. Uh, he's now actually got the gig for the rest of the season as well, which is great news for Luke and congratulations to him on that. Yay. Looking for some good news in all this. Right, Daniel Abt, who races for or raced for the Audi team, he did not race, he did not qualify and did not race, instead got a 
pro esports racer to take his place. And that position of the Daniel Abt car finished third in the race after there was a little bit of argy-bargy with possibly what was going to be the winner uh, of the race, who then didn't win. Um, (laughs) And it transpired that they found out that Daniel Abt had not raced. But there was already rumours of this in qualifying. I saw in the chat of Formula E's coverage on their Twitch channel, somebody mentioned, oh, yeah, Abt's got a ringer. And that was a direct quote. But which I thought, oh, that's supposedly a joke. Stoffel, that, that's a joke. No, no, supposedly Stoffel Van Dorn tried to phone yep, Ab during the race. Yep. So that, so all yeah, this information came out. Because he just out. didn't believe that it was him. No, all this information came out. They did an IP address check and found out that it was not Abt. It was the, uh, the pro sim racer. And they also, uh, because there was, oh, my connection's gone. I can't do the interview type thing. And there was a bit of equipment in the way of his camera in facing into his uh, sim rig, so you couldn't see who it was exactly. You could see there was a driver, but no, no detail. And at the end, we very quickly, Formula E said, right, Apt has been disqualified. He no longer takes part in the rest of the series, and he is going to donate €10,000 to a charity. On one hand, I heard UNICEF, but this evening Apt released a statement, a video statement, where he said that he'd given that charity to a local uh, disabled charity, uh, and it showed him going and delivering the the check, the payment for that. Are you sure it was him? Uh, yes, definitely sure it was him. Sorry. <laughs> there was hoo-ha about this at the time, and, and that evening and, and into the next day about, well, that was cheating, that was out of order. And plenty got on justifiably with Cross at this. But then there was an increasingly disappointing reaction from plenty of real-world drivers using phrases like, it's only a game, it's just online, and it doesn't really matter. No, that's just rubbish. I'm sorry. It's an insight into the character. Could just, you know, this could happen that someone that you know the the fact that you're prepared to do that it doesn't reflect well on you it also doesn't reflect well on the sim on the on the sim driver who who took his place by the way knowing he was part of this duplicity yeah. but just but, before you get going though let me explain because um abt has explained all this and apparently looking at the clips in the thing on the on the stream he was doing when it was uh, practice he was chatting with the pro driver and it was suggested in conversation with each other while they're racing around oh you should drive for me oh i'm serious etc etc now i didn't realize when i first watched it that that was actually the stream that was happening before the race and the qualifying so they made this decision or they claim they made this decision and the video evidence is framed in such a way that it does corroborate that that they made this decision basically on the fly and then did all this really quite rapidly. Because my, because he said he was doing this for a bit of a joke, a bit of fun, just to show, oh, this is how good this pro racer is, actually doing sim racing is hard. This is a bit of fun because it's all about entertaining the fans, and he kept stressing that in his uh, 
apology video, which there will be a link in the show notes. Uh, it's in German, but there's English subtitles. It was. It's all. It's only ever been about uh, enjoyment and entertainment for the fans, and also doing uh, good works to try and raise money for UNICEF. I'm sorry. I think that that's pathetic. I really do. I think that that's complete poo. <laughs> And I just, I just can't stand for it at all. Like you don't do it. You just don't do it. You'd never walk out, get into it. He would never countenance walking out, getting into a real car, having someone else go out and do that for him, and and, and going out and racing his race. It's just cheating. It's just not right. It is not taking it seriously. No, in, a, in an exactly. official race series, okay, the points don't mean anything. Exactly. But this is officially sanctioned race series that's been put it's together by Formula E and you are working for your employer, he, at best, mm-hmm. has made some incredibly poor decisions by trying to do this on the fly instead of going, this would be a great idea, why don't we do this next week? In the meantime, I can speak to my bosses and say, we think this would be a great bit of content, do you give us permission to do it? That, that He gave Audi no choice. Yeah. He gave Audi no choice but to sack him because he will have contravened God knows how many points of his contract that will say, this is how you behave. This is how yeah. you do not bring us and our partners into disrepute. It's just stupid. But the the reaction from, some, from plenty of real-world drivers, because there's a bunch of uh, Formula E drivers who've had hissy fits and said, right, well, I'm not going to stream anymore and things like that, I think they need to uh, well, just... They should just grow up as well. They need to grow up. But also anyone who says it's just a game, your job is literally to go round a track. How much more of a game do you need it to be? That is what sport your, is. Your a job game. is to drive your job is to drive in circles. Yes. People would give their eye teeth to have that as a job. Yes. It's like Formula One drivers being suitably moany after a race. It's like, come on. But it is, it is sport, which is a game, okay? There may be levels of competitiveness, yeah. but it's still just a game. So just ratchet it back and have some respect for people who've been doing this for some time and are good. It's the lunchtime read. Is the It's fantastic. It's the Dominic Fraser's photographs of uh, setting up scenes with Porsches Porsches, Porsches. Just Porsches. Go back and watch the video and work out where it should be. With many historic Porsche in <laughs> in in situations and photographing them to to mimic sort of real well known well known photographs is uh, is it's been one of the great things from lockdown. Uh, and there's a there's an excellent article in in the portion newsroom uh, about how he does it why he does it it's excellent it's really good go spend some time having a little bit of a read of that because it will make you smile and happy it will and well done porsche with the get creative with porsche series it's been really good oh that that's been a whole series of really good stuff really good stuff we've we've just really good and interesting we've put a few things in from it now well done yeah and, and feel free to go back and and fill in the gaps well, we haven't because it's, it would seem a bit sycophantic if we put every single one in. Yes, <laughs> we're not sponsored by them. <laughs> right, list of the week, and that is from Super Unleaded. And the question is: Are these the best rallying supercars of all time? And there are a few that you would expect, and a few perhaps not. But they're all ace, and I'd like to drive them all. <laughs> 
The answer is probably yes, by the way. Yeah, it's just brilliant. Because they're, they're excellent. Yes. I'm not, uh, uh, it's a really, really good list. There's five, but you're allowed to pick one. I'm allowed to pick one? Yeah. Well, everyone knows that the Porsche 959 was really developed for the Dakar rally. So let's have that. Yep. In Rothmans. Yes. That's perfect. That'll do. Yeah. I think that one there, that's a that's a that's a that's a nicely nicely obvious one that's on the list. Lots of other goodies. Yeah. Right, take us to the unfamily. Are we there yet? <laughs> the Torsus Praetorian is not a South African bodybuilder. It is in fact a Czech off-road bus. Um it's cool. I've seen one of these in real life, actually. Yeah. I saw it at Hillhead 2018. Okay. I didn't really understand quite what it was at the time, because it wasn't the bright orange of this one. It was dark, sort of matte gray. I think it was a, a late prototype or something. So uh, Hillhead, by the way, is a big... Normally happens every two years. Obviously, it's not happening this year. Um, it's a big sort of quarrying and mining show that takes place up at Hillhead Quarry in Derbyshire it's a big sort of event if you're in that kind of industry uh so so yeah they had one being demonstrated there and if i'd known i would have gone in it it's one of these things where unless you know exactly what stuff is it can be quite hard to sort of get get a get a shotty or to to understand that it's something you should be having a shotty of uh, but it's it's a bus built on a on an man uh, off-road chassis and drivetrain by torsus who are based in uh, the czech republic and their aim is to break new ground by designing, developing, and manufacturing the world's toughest off-road buses. And the coolest thing about this is it looks like something out of a sci-fi movie. It does. It it also looks like it could quite they could quite easily go into extreme camper van development as well. <laughs> they've got to have thought of that. Because the but the body shape is very similar. But they've won a red dot award for this, which is superb. Hmm. Yeah, so red dots, uh, red dot awards are are given to basically to excellent products, really sort of good, well thought through design, uh, and they, it's pretty prestigious. Yeah, uh, it's not just for automotive; it's it's across the whole world, the whole landscape of of product design. So, for an off road bus, something as unusual as that to work, then to 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 receive one, that's pretty cool. Uh, you might be asking why you want an off road bus, by the way. Sorry, I, I don't understand that that needed to be a question. No, I know, I know, I know, but I feel we should cover it anyway. Okay. It's like, why would you not want an off-road yes. bus? But it's, it's that, really, how would you like yeah, your yeah. off-road bus? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Would you like fries with that? Um, it really, the, the the main intent is to is is to move. Uh, to move workforces up and down through through quarries and and, and rough terrain and, and that kind of stuff uh but this you know yeah all, all the pictures here are shown in a quarry and that's exactly the kind of situation you'd expect to 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 see and find these things yeah um you know you could i guess you could use it for tourism i guess you could use it for a couple of other things like that but the, the main reason is to sell these to big mining companies uh, who will be using it to, to ship the workforce many miles possibly from where they arrive on site to where they actually need to be working yep super cool yeah congratulations to them well done like that a lot yes yes so do i uh parish notes this week there will be a special edition out on friday mm -hmm. 
Uh, this week's Zoom Zoomers from last night is out on YouTube, and it of course, it's live streamed at eight o'clock on a Monday night. Mm-hmm. What else, Andrew? Uh, rear view. Uh, uh, if you can think of someone that you that Andrew should be badgering, and I can think of many of them, um, uh, then then do please do please poke Andrew and remind him. Mm-hmm. Preferably literally rather than just metaphorically. <laughs> and um, with a, a sharp pointy stick seems to work quite well. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, who's a good person to, to listen to? Well, I think uh, Lucas Neckerman would be because he's all about the mobilities and, and smart cities and that mm. sort of stuff. And considering we are definitely in the short term moving towards alternative ways of getting around in urban areas i think it's it'd be really interesting to uh, to listen to that chat because he's a fascinating person he is that's a particularly good one yes before we become the personal mobility podcast uh that's us for the week uh don't forget everyone between now and next week you can give us any feedback share your thoughts on the show at motoring podcast on twitter and instagram on facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com the hub of all our activities please don't forget about our charity call for action and that the the uh the information for the mission motorsport COVID 19 uh fund it was on uh will be on the website and in the show notes podcast wise please uh ratings reviews on apple podcasts or any of the other podcast platforms uh would be fantastic uh andrew what's the best way to get in touch with you best way to get in touch with me is via twitter if you search for crack windscreen you should find me there and alan if people would like to know what other fantastic vehicles did you not go and check last time you were at the mining (laughs) mining equipment show what's the best way for them to do that best way to do that is via twitter where i'm at ajp bradley that's b-r-a-d-l-e-y uh we'll be back very soon But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.